Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast with your host, Rajan Nanavati. Uh, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to a very, very overdue episode of the Hail to the District podcast. Uh, in fact, I think this is the second episode we've recorded in 2020, 2020 2022, excuse me, mm-hmm. um, which is egregiously bad for a variety of reasons. But um, I think Pat said it best on our Twitter account. Uh, it's what happens when you live on two different to- coasts and each of us have a kid and, and life, as the saying goes, gets in the way, right? Um, but thankfully, happy to have uh, Pat back in tow. He and I are uh, here to try to cover as much as we can in terms of the 2022 offseason to date for the Washington Commanders. That's going to take a lot of getting used to, and I still don't like the way it sounds coming out of my mouth. Um, but while there is so much to talk about, uh, we're hoping actually this episode gets the ball rolling for a few more episodes to break down the Commanders. Um, I thought we'd just start off with our thoughts on the 2022 NFL draft since we're just kind of coming off um, that, honestly. So um, I'll stop talking, tripping over myself. Uh, Pat, welcome back. Happy to do this again. And your thoughts on the Mandos draft. Mandos. That's what we're pushing. I like the Mandos. Uh, Yeah, it's good to be back. Um, It is definitely hard to do this uh, when we both have kids on separate coasts. Um, But this is a good time to do it because the Caps are getting absolutely waxed by the Pandos right now. And I no longer want to watch. Cats are playing like dog shit wrapped in cat shit. Yeah, it's bad. It's bad. Uh, <clears throat> thoughts on the draft. Uh, we talked a little bit about this uh, before you hit the record button and we launched into this, but uh, you called it a single, maybe, you know, maybe a uh, kind of beat it out double, if you will. Uh, I think it was an incredibly safe draft. Um, and in the moment, I thought it was awful. Um, I thought the first round pick with uh, Dotson was, was okay. I'm not wild about it. I didn't think it was a home run. I was pumped we traded back and got some picks because that was the best every, part of the draft. Every single analyst said that the best part of the draft was like 25 to 100. So being able to, you know, recuperate some of those picks was nice, especially after giving up the third for, uh, for Wentz. Um, so I, I don't think Dotson was a home run. I thought he was a safe pick um, and probably a reach, but like safe in terms of we'll probably get production out of him. Uh, and then the second day was Mathis and Robinson. And I'm going to be honest, I was like, what are we doing? I think Robinson, he could be really good. He could prove me way wrong. But taking a running back in the third round just crushed me. Uh, Mathis, you know, was probably a little bit of a reach too, but we do need D-line help. I get it. He's a two-gap guy, can really free up our linebackers that, you know, we have like three of them. Um, we have so- three? Who's the third one? Uh, and then the second day, or excuse me, the third day, I thought was a little bit of a home run. Uh, I, I'm really excited about this Butler guy. Um, Chris Sims said he was the best free agent, uh, or for, excuse me, free safety in the draft. Uh, and I actually trust Chris Sims' uh, ability to break down tape and, and give out uh, who he likes. Howell in the fifth is a home run to me. Um, and then, you know, we kind of continually build on from there. But uh, Overall, I would say it was a safe draft. I do think we were spooked a little bit by Jamin last year going to the home run and striking out. And I don't think Ron has the time to strike out anymore. Um, so I feel it felt a little safe to me. But again, like, I understand why every pick was made, but that makes it safe to me because we took players based off of needs and not best player available. And that's what frustrates me. Yes, very much that last point. Now, okay, 
so taking trying to start from the top, I have been as candid as anybody else, and this is not exactly groundbreaking original thought content here, but like this draft, if you want to talk about blue chips and red chip red chip players, there was maybe three blue chip players in this entire draft, and everybody else was a red chip type of guy, like everybody else, right? So, and to that end, as we said, like you could argue that maybe players from picks number seven through like 60, you could interchange them in 53 different ways and nobody would argue against it. Right. So I had to temper my thoughts a little bit with the Dotson thing. I'm going to get into Dotson. I'm going to get into Mathis. I'm going to get into Brian Robinson. Um, I have obviously a little more insight since again, as I've mentioned ad nauseum, you know, we watch a lot of Alabama football because of my wife's um, status from having graduated from that school. Um, time. But uh, we'll start, let's actually, let's go backwards a little bit because you touched on them and we'll talk about the day three guys, then the day two guys, and then we'll get to the day one guy, i.e. Josh, uh, Josh Dotson. Look, I'm, I've already started calling him Josh Dotson. Um, every single, Dotson. every single fan, the first thing I thought of was, oh my God, we just redrafted Josh Dotson. So totally different, I, totally, totally different players. As I said, so polar like, opposites, total different. It's literally one letter. Jahan Dotson is, at least from everything so far you can listen to, is wired very different than Josh Dotson. I think Josh Dotson had, was all body, no brain in terms of like wanting to play football. And then, as I've said a thousand times since he was drafted, that the, the next TCU receiver to be good in the NFL will be the first TCU receiver to be good in the NFL. Uh, I'll just leave it there. Uh, let's go to the day three picks, kind of in sequential order of the picks made on the third day of the draft. So you touched on a few of them. Fourth round pick. Percy Butler from Louisiana, fifth round pick Sam Howell from quarterback from UNC, also fifth round pick Cole Turner, tight end from Nevada, uh, seventh round pick Chris Paul, not the point god, uh, interior offensive lineman from Tulsa, and then Christian Holmes from Oklahoma State. So I'm going to jump around a little bit in this order. Um, you talked about Holmes in particular, the, our last pick, 240th overall, which it makes him like three or four picks away from uh, Mr. Irrelevant or something like that in that general neighborhood. I didn't check. Um, he was a height, weight, speed guy. Uh, I was listening to John Kimes interview with uh, Logan Paulson and yeah, Logan Paulson. And he was basically saying, he's like, look, he's tools. There's a lot of like athleticism there. He was in fact, I think he tested like really, really well at the combine. And that's the only reason he was on people's radar. Uh, one of my favorite little anecdotes about him as stupid as this is to say uh, when um, Ron Rivera called him, he said, uh, congratulations for drafting the best cornerback in the draft, which I thought was really funny considering his pick 240th overall. Um, it but, seems like a Brady thing. Yeah. Did Brady, right? did Brady, did Brady make that popular? I feel like that's no, Brady went to Bob Kraft and told him that I'm going to be your starter in two years. Like oh, that's right. his first interaction or something like that. Um, that notwithstanding, but he is a developmental guy. Like he could practice squad it for the first year. Um, Chris Paul was an interesting one as well. The guard from Tulsa. So big dude, raw as Tartar. Um, yeah, to your point, swing guy. They'll probably push him inside, which I is fine. Again, they'll, they'll we'll let them figure that out. Um, but as far as another developmental guy who has talent and just needs to kind of put it all together, like you could do a lot worse in the seventh round. So I, he, he has, uh, the only thing I really know about him is um, other than going to Tulsa, he started at least one game at four different positions along the line in college. Uh, so he's, he's versatile, which if there's one thing that we've learned about the commanders and the offensive linemen is the more versatile you are, the better. 
the entire team in, I think that kind of permeates through this entire draft. And we'll talk more about this. Rivera, his, his buzz term, his drinking word is versatility, loves versatility, loves positional flexibility, loves guys who can do multiple positions, obviously. So that's that. Um, and also Plus, I, wonder- I will, I'll okay. give I will give the benefit of the doubt to commanders when it comes to offensive linemen because Matt Scout knows what he's doing. Good offensive line coach. Yeah, uh, he's good. Like he, our line's been a pleasant surprise two years in a row because that guy. I will also say there's been this segment of fans. Obviously, again, this is a, the mouth breathing segment, but they were like, <laughs> "Why do we do have people from Tulsa? Uh, who the fuck knows what Tulsa is?" I'm like, uh, number one. Tulsa had a first round pick in the draft last year in Zayvon Collins. Number two, Tulsa was ranked in 2020. Like if you, that, if that was one of your reactions, like just take a long walk off a short cliff. Cause you don't know anything about football. Right. So let's just park that there. Um, they don't, remind, it, only, it only took about 12 minutes it, for, you, for you to go at the fans. I love it. Um, welcome back. Welcome <laughs> back. Welcome back. Uh, well, I lost my train of thought, but long story. Oh, it was, so in terms Tulsa of seventh round picks, yeah, Tulsa sucks is where I was at. Um, it reminds me a lot of kind of who took, who took Shaka Tony and Bradley King in last year's draft. Like, you know, they're dudes, they're fine. They'll contribute. They have long-term potential. Uh, they're there, they're bargain values at some level. So I'm completely fine with it. And again, they're seventh round picks. So if they don't pan out, they don't pan out. We also have a, uh, our seventh round pick game has been pretty strong. I mean, Curl yep. seventh round pick, um, uh, who's that D lineman we got from NC State? He was a seventh round pick. He's turned out to be semi like good depth player. William Bradley King is his name. Yeah, Bradley King is the end. He was solid. Yeah, he's was a he solid. He's. A, I think that's where he went. Oh, um, uh, point is, is like we have found value in the seventh round, and like if they have tools and they can make the team, they're gonna play. Ron will play him. I mean, Curl's an all pro in my mind. Who was it? Somebody said it, and, and I think it was Logan Thomas who said it last year. He's like, Cam Curl, top five safety in the NFL. And I'm like, uh, from your mouth to God's ears, man, because ain't nobody disagreeing with that. Yeah, he's a stud. Yeah. Uh, going back to values, so let's jump to the fifth round in sequential order. Sam Howell in particular. We'll talk about Cole Turner from Nevada in a second, but Sam Howell. I'm hyped, so, on, I'm hyped on Cole Turner. Uh, there was, from the punditry of – DC sports figures. Um, I use the term pundit tr- punditry tongue in cheek because I'm not their biggest fans, and I'm mostly talking about the NBC Sports Washington guys, so it doesn't really take a lot to connect those dots. But they were kind of alluding to the fact that, like, oh, should Washington take Sam Howell in the second round? And a God, no. Uh, I am not as big on Sam Howell as a lot of other people were, Me. mainly you. Um, yeah. But I'm okay with it. In fact, I'm fine with it in the fifth round. I will say this. I was texting with a couple of friends right after the pick was made and, and, or we, uh, sorry, I was texting with a few friends as Willis was dropping in the second and third rounds. And we were like, how would you feel if, if, if Washington took Malik Willis? And I'm like, objectively speaking, I still had Malik Willis's QB one in the draft. Like, I'm just going to be frank with you in that regard. But I would, I was like, we cannot draft him. We cannot draft him or, you know, Matt Corral. And I, I love Matt Corral. I was a bit, I'm a big fan of his. I, as I said in the column I wrote, I just wish he was three inches taller and 20 pounds heavier because I think he would have been QB1 if that was the case. It, what I was saying is that if they drafted Malik Willis or Sam Howell in the second round or somebody like that, it would have spooked the shit out of Carson Wentz. Like 
we already know Wentz is fragile mentally and they need to kind of, they, they went out in this draft to do everything they can to reassure him today. Ron Rivera said there is no quarterback competition. Rivera, uh, Rivera, Wentz is our starter. He is the guy like they're trying to make rebuild Humpty Dumpty's psyche. And if you took Willis in the second or third round, all the shit that Ryan Tannehill is getting for that I'm not a mentor comment, it would have been explosively or exponentially worse over here. So they couldn't have done that or in the day two, but at the fifth round, it's fine. Then they can use that as developmental mindset. And allegedly, if the reports are accurate or if I'm quoting them accurately, Rivera told Wentz that, look, we're going to take uh, Sam Howell before they took him in the fifth round. I think this the the narrative that um, we had to talk to Wentz about drafting quarterback is the most is the dumbest thing in the world. And I'll tell you why. If you're a quarterback in the National Football League, the single most important position in all of sports, not just football, in all of sports, all of sports, you have to be so confident you don't give a shit who's behind you. And it bothers me that we are so worried about Wentz and who's behind him. Like, who's going to be behind him? A fifth-round pick who stumbled in the draft, and then Taylor Heineke, you can throw the ball 10 yards, and he's a fun story. Uh, like, it, 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 I worry about Wentz for that one reason. Because if he's looking over his back, like, I know it's human nature, and especially in Washington where the backup quarterback is basically the president. Um, like that's, that's going to be a storyline and narrative he's going to have to deal with, but every great athlete, I don't care if you're a quarterback, I don't care if you're an NBA player, baseball player, you can be a fucking cricket player for all I care. You have to be so extremely confident in who you are that like, it doesn't freaking matter. Uh, and that bothers me, um, about Wentz. I know we're talking about the draft, but like that narrative around Wentz really bugs me. And I feel like he's going to be shitty because of it. Although I'm I'm pro wins right now, but like if he start if that narrative pops up middle of the season, I'm gonna be like, get him out. I think one of the uh, biggest reasons now there's uh, there's layers to this, but I think one of the reasons why things started really going south in Philadelphia, not even the whole Nick Foles thing. I think that was the foundation about like every all the Eagles fans started clamoring for Nick Foles, but then they drafted Hertz, and that came from ownership. Like people don't yeah. realize, but that came from Lurie. Lurie wanted. Do you want to be Hertz. a quarterback factory? That's what that's what they said. After oh, the I think he just saw that the number he, he was a Heisman finalist and the numbers that he's putting up stupid Nintendo numbers at Oklahoma, which again, my grandmother can put up Nintendo numbers for Lincoln Riley. So like that, you know, that doesn't mean anything, but that was a ownership pick. That was not a Howie Roseman pick um, anyway. And that was another thing where like Wentz just started developing rubbernecking in terms of looking over his shoulder. And uh, obviously he didn't have that in Indianapolis. And I think, I don't want to spend too much time on this. A lot of people have made a have made a lot of noise about the fact of like, oh, how come Indianapolis dumped him? I'm going to sound like I'm going to sound like an exactly. I'm going to sound like a Wentz yeah, apologist. Nothing to do with the football guys. I don't think Ballard and, and and this was not a Ballard and Reich decision. This was I don't not, think so either. It was this was an Ursa thing. Ursa is a fucking a, nut job. Yeah, he's an explosive dude. Yeah, Ursa is nuts. He's a lunatic. He's he a is lunatic. a he is a bump. Bumpity bump bump type of dude, right? Like he is nuts. Well documented. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, no, I, I agree with you. I think I, I do think that his exit out of Indianapolis is weird because they had the athletic article that, that came out that kind of detailed what was going on. But I didn't think it felt like a hit piece. I thought it was kind of accurate. But when I read it, I was like, okay, these allegations are like bad. They're not that bad. Like they lost to the damn 
The yeah, Jaguars. Right. The Jaguars was a really ugly game, and yeah, I get it. Like, that was a shit the bad game. Uh, but the more I heard uh, Reich speak, the more I heard Ballard speak, the more I saw all his teammates come out and were like, "You were my dog." I was like, "Okay, this has got to be an Ursa thing." Because like the way I look at it, and this last thing I said, we're going off on wins already. Uh, my my thing with Ursa is like this cat doesn't know what bad quarterback play looks like. He took over i think it went from peyton manning to carson yeah i think his dad had the colts and then it was given to him Uh, and one of his first quarterbacks is fucking peyton manning yes they tank for a year and then he drafts andrew luck yep dude has no idea what it's like to be let's not forget philip rivers was a decent bridge quarterback right he wasn't himself but he was decent better you know at least at least average so 100 agree with you yeah uh that brings me back to sam Howell, who i am very high on at least, at least, let's put it this way. I'm very high on him as a fifth round pick. Uh, if we had drafted him the second, I probably would be like, I'd probably talk myself into being excited. Uh, if we're being, you know, I would put the burgundy shades on for sure uh, and go march with the new marching band. Uh, but my thing with Howell is he played a lot of quarterback. He started for three years, put up big numbers all three years. Even as down here this year, he has big numbers. He ran for almost 900 yards through 20 plus touchdowns. Uh, he had some. You know, clunkers like the Virginia Tech game to open the year was a dud. Awful. Uh, he turned Awful. around and turned around and you know threw for three games worth of yards against UVA, which a lot of teams did. Uh, but when he had weapons, he could make every throw. There's a great deep ball. But the number one thing that stands out to me about him is at the Senior Bowl, it was him. It, it was a who's who at the Senior Bowls: Pickett, him, Willis, uh, the the Western Kentucky guy, the Hilltopper, Zappy, Brady, Zappy. Yep. Um, I think. Well, Carson Strong might have been there too. I think he was. Uh, but when you look at all of it, they measure arm strength in a, in a mired of ways. But my baseball love comes out with Howell. When you look at the spin rate of the football, he actually had the tightest spiral of all of them. Meaning, no matter the weather, that ball is coming out of his hand sharp. As much as uh, we lauded Malik Willis's arm strength, there were a bunch of people who said, Willis has the stronger arm. Sam Howell has the better deep ball. Yeah, because he can actually put touch on it. Um, now, the hard part is, is he played in an offense where it was like one read, balls out, and you're playing the in the ACC. One. And I, you play in the ACC, which you and I both love, but like it's not playing in the ACC every Saturday. It's JV football in comparison to what he's yeah. going to be doing in the NFL. Yeah, so that scares me. But it's, I think it's great that he can sit for a year. He's probably going to end up being our third-string quarterback um i would imagine i, I think he'll I be game day inactive yeah. things like that yeah right? i don't think we're gonna cut Heineke. i know there's no. a little no no no, no, no bug no. on twitter no. that'll happen but no, he's no. too valuable with his experience as a backup uh but i think it's great he can learn from heineke which uh i do think heineke will be a good like mentor in that in that world because uh, he's smart as all get out well it's all the thing uh, heineke knows that's his role in the nfl right yeah he knows he's gonna cash checks doing it uh, and our, our best hope is Wentz plays really well. and We can figure out the contract later. But if, if push comes to shove, I will still watch the game if Hal has to come in because I don't think we're going to have to watch insert Josh Johnson. Although, do have a soft spot for my guy, Josh. Uh, so to your point about Heineke, and we've said this pretty consistently when we're not gushing about him, um, coming off the bench to be the sixth man, that's the 
role he role. Was, was born to play, right? Like, like if, if Wentz went down in the second drive of the game, kind of like, you know, kind of like uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick did and instead was able to come back in week two or three, like that's Heineke's, like that's his moment, right? Like you don't want him to come off the bench because that dude's going to be straight fire. Um, yeah, that's because anyway. he's just going to come in and run around and do a bazillion of things and throw some passes. You're like, what the fuck are you doing? So Just yeah, don't ask him to throw a 15 yard out route to the other hash. I think the yeah, that's the biggest thing, right? The arm strength is just so prevalent, and uh, the ball looks different at every quarterback's hands compared to Um, but he throws it like you and I do with Wentz, excuse me, Wentz with Howell. Um, I think it, you hit the nail on the head. Like, I think the biggest thing among others was the whole develop was the whole like w- the leap between the bullshit that he ran in college and what he's going to be forced to do in the NFL. So it's good to let him just season on the bench for a while and see what happens. See if any, if they can make hay with him at some point down the road. Uh, do I think he's more of a career backup type? I do, but that's me. And I hope I'm wrong in that regard. Um, quickly wrapping up on the, uh, well, not wrapping up, wrapping up the fifth round, I should say uh, Cole Turner from Nevada. Um, probably the biggest reach in the draft. If I'm of, of the entire of Washington's entire crop, he you is, a, you think it's a bigger reason Robinson in the third. Yes. Oh, oh, absolutely. Yes. 150,000%. Yes. I'll get to Brian Robinson when it's time. But um, so Turner is one of those high ceiling, low floor type of players. He's a boomer bust. You know, he is a converted wide receiver. I think he is. And, or I mean, he basically, he was a tight end in Nevada, but for all intents and purposes, he didn't line up at tight end. He was a He's one of those move H back types of tight ends. And he is raw as all get out, but he has a ton of developmental upside. He's kind of like the, oh my God, I'm, his name is escaping me. The Latin dude that we signed that was the off the talk of the offseason. Reyes? Yeah, Samus Reyes, right? It's kind of like him in a way that, look, if it works, there's a world of potential, but there's a long way to turn this lump of coal into a diamond. And I think that's what it is with, 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 um, with Cole Turner. And I think he's a practice squad guy at best. I don't think it's reasonable to expect any modicum of production out of him. Um, if any Washington fan thinks he's going to be like a John Bates 2.0, you need to get out now because that is not this guy at all whatsoever. He's John Bates, was the, John Bates was the best blocking tight end in the draft last year. Probably the best blocking tight end, I bet you, in his draft. I think, I mean, I think he was a top 10 blocking tight end in the NFL when it was all said and done. Like, he yeah. was great last year, right? Not enough yeah. good things have been said about love him. Me, love me some Bates. Right? Actually, feather in our cap. Bates is uh, – I remember this very distinctly. In this post – draft thing we did last year we both were like Bates is gonna be good uh and he is he god he's so good I I don't mind the draft pick at Turner I I, uh, admittedly once we get into the fifth round of draft I'm like okay who we take uh except for Sam Howell who I've watched a bazillion times being an ACC guy uh I don't know much about Turner I know he's big in terms of like he has uh like kind of Jordan Reed size he's I mean he's six six two. 45 somewhere in there he's in that general um, mold yeah and, and the guy we picked up from arizona state curtis hodges who is uh an undrafted free agent from arizona state they're both the same size kind of both play the hybrid wide receiver tight end role so i actually don't think reyes will be on the team next year um because <clears throat> i think this hodges guy is going to make it with with turner but um everything i've read about him he kind of he's kind of a microcosm of our draft, which is the reach. Like if you go to his scouting, uh, his NFL.com, like scout scouting profile, whatever they list every player where they think they'll go, and his is 
seventh round priority for you. Oh, we don't read, don't read they, Lance Zierlein's projections of where our guys should have gone. And that's not a dig at Lance Zierlein. Lance Zierlein's created his job, but like you will get heartburn very quickly if you read where the guy should have gone and where we took him. All of them, yeah. all our guys. Yeah. Literally, we, I think we reached for him, <laughs> except for Hal, who just kind of fell into a path. But even Ron afterwards was like, yeah, we had no intention of drafting. We just was there. Right. Uh, which is how you should draft. For the record, you take the best player you think is on your board. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. Um, I don't know much about Turner. He went to Nevada. Uh, you know, he's a hybrid to your, to our point. The highlights I have seen about from him plays way more like a wide receiver than he does a tight end. Big wingspan, so, move tight end type of guy. Just that's yeah. what he is, so right? I, my hope is that we – I mean, no one really knows what's going on with Logan Thomas. I'm going to assume with modern ACL tears, he'll be back and like ready to go week one. Although he had uh, a double, and, he had a double ligament tear, which worries me a lot. Yeah. Well, let's hope we have him. Let's. I mean, you have Bates, and then we can allow Turner and Hodges or Reyes, whoever, kind of just to continue to to figure it out. But to take someone like you're figuring out in the fifth round kind of sucks. Uh, but he. Of all the players we drafted, he's probably the one I know. The Although most. it's interesting to to look at it because I think we traded up in the fifth round or out of the sixth round and traded up into the fifth round to go get him. So maybe they have, you know, higher aspirations for him than we do. I don't know. Well, I mean, I hope they have higher. Well, yeah, exactly. Right. I don't know. It's kind of obvious. <laughs> yeah, we do. Um, all right, rounding out the day three guys are starting from the top with Percy Butler. Um, even though we should start yeah. with him. Pretty pumped about this guy. So he, when we made the pick, that was like, what the hell? Especially from like Louisiana. It's not LSU, it's Louisiana, right? Uh, they love this dude. They can't say enough good things about this dude. Ron Rivera has basically been gushing about him. Rivera um, basically already said he's going to start. He's annoyed in him, the starter. And then to the point about you made before we started podcast, before we started this episode, I think it was before we started, about what's up with Landon Collins. I think this guy might block Landon Collins return to the team. Like, so John Kime had a really good way of phrasing it. He goes, look, they're going to kind of throw the playbook at him and see if he can even just tread water. And if they're like, no, he's so far light years away, then they may go back to Landon Collins be like, Hey, we need somebody to kind of man this spot for a little while. But if he shows even a modicum of he's got this, they love his upside and his talent so much that they're going to be like, yeah, we're good without Landon. We'll, 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 we'll roll with the guys that we have. I don't know that I agree with that as much as I've, we you know, we, I crushed and we crushed Landon Collins last year, but that's what the state of the situation, the state of the, the, of the union is. You made the point. I can't remember when it was about Chris Sims for whatever that's worth calling him the best free safety in this entire draft. Sim, 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 Sims hits a lot. I don't know why. Doesn't mean I got like him, but he does hit a lot. Uh, so that's that. And I mean, again, the, the, the coaching staff has been, nothing but profuse in their praise for him. So there's a lot of, you know, a lot of upside there. And again, from my perspective, if he ends up taking Bobby McCain's job much sooner rather than later, then hallelujah. And thank Jesus for all of that. Cause I hate Bobby McCain. No, no, he's going to be here for a while. I know. Um, the, the butler pick has been excited mostly because of my buddy Chester kind of hyped him up and I've looked more into him and I kind of agree. So Rivera said, According to Rivera, and I have no reason not to disagree with any of these stats and what they're out there, we ran some sort of the Buffalo nickel package, if you will, 53% of the time last year. Did you read so that, John gonna... Kime, that John Kime stat, which was staggering, that we ran 
We had two we're, linebackers on the yeah, field. Yeah, I was going to say, we're, we're only ever going to have two linebackers. With two linebackers on the field, like 98% of the time last year, maybe yeah. higher. I think that's why they deprioritize this position so much and are doing literally nothing to upgrade it. Yeah. Because frankly, they're just not on the field that often. And they're looking for someone to play that. Because like our defense, when Collins finally kind of relented and was like, okay, I'll play this damn role. He came out and said, he's like, I don't like it. Our defense got better and better and better every week. But then we lost him, we lost Young, and, you know, it got a little tough from there. But And then we had the COVID thing, no sweat. Kind of derailed a lot of different ways. But there was a point in time where the defense finally was starting to play at the level we all expected them to play. Uh, And it all came back to that package because if you have someone that can play that kind of hybrid role, it changes your whole defense simply because you have so much speed on the field. Uh, And Butler has a ton of speed. Uh, I don't think he's tremendously big, but when I was listening to – uh, yeah, he's, he's about six foot, probably 200 pounds, somewhere in there. In that neighborhood. Uh, I listened to his college coach, though, and his college coach uh, was like, yeah, he's a thumper. And I was like, how big of a thumper is he? 200 pounds. But uh, he is fits this mold of draft picks that we've had recently that I love. I love it. It starts all about teams. He is apparently just one of the best gunners ever. But a lot they, of people are not even they're, they're, that's that's still Derek Force role. Like everyone's like, oh, he's, why did we do him when we drafted Derek Force? And like, even Rivera came out and said, like, no, 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 Forrest is a team's guy. This guy is a yeah. defense guy. But this guy, true. But and we also have the world's greatest gunner in Troy Appy. Yes. Listen to this. You know my sarcasm there. Uh, point is, is like this guy's going to play a lot on defense. He's going to play a lot on special teams. Uh, he's going to be on the field and he's a player that I think commander fans need to get to know because I bet you he plays 60% of the snaps next year. It sounds like that. If they, if their aspirations become reality, then yes, I think that's really what it's going to come down to. It's, it's, it's funny how much they love him because they've been pretty open about that. I mean, I don't think they've gushed about any picks short of Dotson as much as they have about Butler, to be honest with you. I mean, I can't. I, I, they had on um, 106.7 The Fan this morning they, or yesterday. They had his coach on and then they had him on. Uh, and I was just so impressed with not only him, I was impressed with the coach said everything I've read about him is like gushing. Like everything I read about him was like, why was this guy picked in the fourth round? Um, and is it simply because he went to uh, Louisiana and played Lu- Louisiana and Sunbelt or whatever conference that is? Right. Also, kind of a funny. Uh, antidote to this they jp finley who i can't stand can't kept saying on the radio the full name of the school uh, did he say louisiana state <laughs> university yeah and finally the, the no he never said louisiana state he just kept saying louisiana university or whatever it is and finally coach goes everyone knows we're not lsu dude just say louisiana right like just called him out so hard on it and i was like get him and b mitch just started dying because that's where b mitch went to school uh I thought, I thought he went to Louisiana Lafayette. I mean, apparently he went to regular Louisiana. I don't think um, he was a raging Cajun. I, I will touch on your JP Finley comment with one thing and then move on from there. If the you worst. want to be a dumber Washington football fan, like if you want to, whatever your current IQ is, if you want it to diminish by 30 to 50%, listen to his podcast with the two asshats that he hosts it with, who I cannot say yeah. About, right like they're fucking morons i mean they 
it's it is an atrocity that those people a work for a publication and b are given a mouthpiece to talk about football like you literally walk out having been dumber like he they're the epitome of the nib high principle you know soliloquy at the end of you know everyone's now dumber having heard what you said right and i award you no points and may god have mercy on your soul anyway um so yeah uh percy butler great pick er, lots to be excited about uh which brings us now to day two um i'm gonna start in reverse with the picks or go backwards so brian robinson uh, I know a lot of people, there's a couple things about Brian Robinson. So again, watching a lot of Alabama football and I'm not a homer. I thought to start off with, I cannot understand the Bryce Young hype. I watched all of Alabama last year. The fact that we're talking about him as a number one overall pick in the draft blows my mind. He's too small. They ran a clogged toilet offense. Bill O'Brien should be prosecuted for crimes against football. Um, and they defeated themselves in the national championship game because their code, their, their game plan, which did very not at all from what they did against Georgia in the SEC championship to when they played them again, in the national championship. Um, anyway, Robinson was kind of the heart and the soul of that offense in terms of like when, when they could not get the ball to Jamison Williams, they couldn't get the ball to John Mechie. They couldn't do anything. They basically said, let's just Go ugly, get the ball to Brian Robinson and just start going four yards, six yards, eight yards, cloud of dust type of guy. And he always delivered. He was their safety valve. He was such a good player for them. But he, the reason why he, everyone's like, oh, we drafted him like way too early. And Mel Kuyper was like, we drafted him 50 picks too early or some stupid quote comment about that because he's completely unsexy. Like he's not a four, four guy. He's not a burner. He's not like, you know, super duper lateral cut quickness, great feet or whatever. The dude is four yards in a cloud of dust, hard charging, gonna and just he's gonna do the dirty work. And where I'm going with this is that I have I've been pretty open about this as much as I crushed the player when we signed him. We missed Peyton. the shit out of Peyton Barber last year. We went from a team that was automatic on third and one, fourth and one, to a team that couldn't convert it to save our life last year. We were putting fucking, fucking Jared Patterson as our short yardage back last year. Think about that for a second, right? And I know it's over. It's expensive to pay for a short yardage back with the third round pick, but it's so much more than that. Um, the Antonio Gibson thing, like, okay, I Antonio Gibson was not right all of last season. I think it's really ridiculous to write him off. They're like, oh, Antonio Gibson can't play. Like, he scored 10 touchdowns as a rookie, granted in limited time. Dude can play, but I think if they give him a little bit of a pitch count and you use Robinson more kind of in a change of pace capacity and let him get five to 10 carries a game, this just makes the two of them even better. And I'll stop talking now. Yeah, I, I'm definitely one that's kind of like, I just hate drafting a running back that early. I, I, we could draft Marshall Falk in the third round. I'd be like, why? Uh, now, granted, that would be not, not knowing what Marshall Falk became. Let's just put a caveat behind that. But uh, I, it's not so every like, running back is going to last until the fourth or fifth round, right? Like, to, to, to take your he point. He would have he been there. He probably would have been there, but like, Again, every team had the board stacked differently. And we'll talk about this with Mathis in particular. But like, so I, I saw this idiot from Pro Football Focus, like crushing the Jets for taking Brees Hall in the second round, like just annihilating them. And I'm like, if somebody took Brees Hall in the first round, you could give them that. But if you looked at like, if the fifth year option wasn't a thing and you're not paying a running back $18 million in his fifth year for picking up the option, I don't think Brees Hall is that much of a worse running back or that much lower on the board than say, Najee Harris, who they took in the late, you know, and at, at later in the rounds, and I'm just, a couple other running backs that are escaping me right now. Um, yeah, so. I mean, I think 
I think so. If the value is there, take it. If you see the value, not, I have no I'm problem. I'm not with wild that. about not wild about driving the court or running back in the third round. Granted. Uh the other thing that frustrates me is the top it, it really is the top three picks are like this. Is we drafted off a need. Like running back was low key a need. We need oh, help not Gibson. Low key. Yeah, so well, a lot of people – I don't know how many people agree with me, but you, you do. That's good news. Um, it's a need. Gibson wore down. When McKissick got hurt, we were just screwed. Uh, right? Like, we needed another back back there, and God bless Jared Patterson. He, his days are probably are numbered. Though he could wind up on the practice squad. You know? uh, so, I get, like – look, I'm excited for Robinson. I, I loved him in, in, uh, in the semifinal game when he just dominated Cincinnati. Over, um, ran all over them. Now, granted, everything's not Cincinnati. Yeah, but I remember was... being like, wow, this guy's pretty good. Uh, Ron clearly likes the fact that he was there for four years, waited his turn, stuck it out, and then he ran for, what, 1,300 yards or something? Um, I just – it felt to me like we drafted on a need for a running back in the third round, and I just didn't – I didn't love the pick. Now, he could come out and be great, he, and I hope he is, and I hope everyone's like, screw the hell, district guys, that guy, that sucks. I hope that happens, uh, but I, I don't know. I we'll see. I we'll see. Okay, you're right. Your your Peyton Barber thing. comment. Your Peyton Barber comment is spot on. I'll give you 100 props on that. And I, I will say one other thing. Um, or I, oh, so one of the other interesting things were if you look at every running back that was taken after Robinson and just kind of look at that pool of talent, there is a significant drop off. And I think one of the reasons why they went ahead and pulled the trigger in the third round is they're like, if he goes in the next 10 to 15 picks, i.e. before we make our fourth round pick, we're not going to get the value from taking somebody else further down the board. They're like, this is where the cliff or the chasm opens up after him. So that's why they reached for it. They're like, I, it's like when you're in your fantasy football draft and there's like 25 really good dudes. And then after that, you're just shooting fish in a barrel. And they're like, I got to get one of those. And that's kind of, yes, they did very much draft into the, 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 the draft with, we got to get a running back out of this. That's no secret to anyone. And I think they were like, look, this is the last guy at the table in terms of the value is there that we want. Let's just go ahead and take him. Fuck the value. When it comes to fuck the free, value. I guess it, I guess it's a free pick because we traded for it. Yeah. Look at that. Look at it that way. But uh, in terms of the fuck the value comment, now that brings us to Fedarian Mathis, uh, the defensive tackle from Alabama. This was the most on its face <laughs> vomit inducing pick made among all of the X number of picks that we had. So I want to address one comment that I made during the course of the draft. So I said, I tweeted one of my immediate reactions were, I think I said, um, I would have taken 10 guys over him. Like literally there were 10 guys on my list for whatever that list is worth that I would have taken for Mathis. And just to give transparency, I did come up with eight initially, right? So we talked about linebacker. Uh, so Chad Muma from Wyoming. You talked about Christian Harris from Alabama. I said Jaquan Brisker, the safety from Penn State. George Pickens, from George, uh, the wide receiver from Alabama, who, uh, Georgia, who I think will be a top three receiver from this class when it's all said and done, maybe higher. Um, who do I have? Sorry, I just minimized my list. Uh, Trey McBride, tight end from the Colorado State, i.e. TE1, probably TE1 in this class, or your boy Jelani Woods from Virginia would have taken either of them and with, with, that sec- with that second round pick. And then, of course, let us not forget the Georgia linebackers, Channing Tindall and Nicobe fucking Dean, who ended up in Philadelphia. And that one's going to haunt me for a long, long time. So those are eight dudes initially that I said I would have taken right before I would have taken over Mathis. Now, okay. 
having talked myself off the ledge a little bit, a little bit off of him. Rivera, I was listening to some, I think it was the John Kine podcast today and Rivera, um, and he was talking to, Kine was talking about particularly how much like he loved the fact that he's this unselfish dude. He is a captain of the team guy. He will play along, along the defensive line. He was somebody who will play on the nose, which is like the most un the most um the one that the spot defensive tackles just don't want to play. And how he could be somebody that'll actually make Deron Payne. I know that doesn't make any sense better because Payne was kind of miscast in that role a little bit in the course of this defense. And now when they have these packages where they got five defensive linemen and they fully intend on using Mathis quite a bit in the rotation, kind of like they did with Ioannidis last year, uh, it's very well suited for him. So that's where I land on Mathis, at least initially. Yeah, I I have no, this was, I have no feelings towards this pick. This was similar to you when we made the draft pick. I was like, what are we doing? Uh, mostly because this this pick was telegraphed leading up to the draft. I mean, why did we cut Ionitis? Uh, why did we let settle? Kills me. Why did we let settle walk for what three million dollars a year? Like, if you, I mean, I guess I guess the the stick was it was a bad scheme for Ionitis. That was what they said at least. That's what the best um, story is. Uh, but like you already have them on on the docket. They neither one of them was that. Ex- oh. Ionis wasn't that expensive because the sign settle. Realistically, settle probably only stays if Ionis was cut beforehand because he probably wanted more playing time. Yep. Um, but by getting rid of both of them, declining Duran's fifth uh, fifth year option, fifth year option, openly saying, "Yeah, we're probably going to try to trade him or like he's going to walk." And then we drafted Mathis. It was kind of like, "Okay, we are 100 percent drafting on need. There is no." best player available in this pick and in yeah. the second round that sucks like Mathis could be great and to your point like everything I've read about him he's gonna he's gonna be a two-gap guy he's gonna eat the line let the linebackers run that's what you want but like we can get a defensive tackle in the third or fourth round doing the same thing shout out to my buddy John because he said it best I was at his house for watching round one in particular and then we were you know he's in our slack thread and we were talking about this for the Mathis pick he goes look Washington doesn't understand how to draft on value they're just drafting because they like the dude and they want to fill a hole, right? Um, he's literally just filling a hole. That's And that's what it is. Like, we have no concept of value. And he's been screaming about this since the Carson Wentz trade, which he's 100% right about, by the way. They're like, we don't, we're just, we're, we're, we're willing to pay 130 cents on the dollar because we, well, just, we, had to. we just need that. But like, did we really need to pay that much? Like yeah. that as much as we did, right? And that's, it comes yes. back to the value. The value no quarterback is going to come play for us. Well, I think they bid against themselves in terms of the price the Colts were asking for. Oh, well, sure. But Ron didn't want to get – Ron panicked because he didn't want to be stuck with, like, trying to figure it out. And right. he also knows no one's going to be like, yeah, you know what? I'll waive my no trade to Washington. Like, that's not going to happen. No free agent's going to come here. So he was just like, screw it, make the deal. And that's what I think. Yeah. I feel less this about Dotson. We'll get to Dotson. But – I think with Mathis, it was very much like, we need this. We need to figure out, let's get this in place. It's kind of a weak class from the depth standpoint, at defensive tackle. Let's go get this guy. It doesn't really matter where we get him. And then Martin Mayhew made that comment like, well, our board was very different than other people's board. It's like, no, you just drafted on need. And you just overpaid for that. Mathis straight up said, I thought I was going in the third or fourth. Third or fourth round. Now his agent did come back and say that I was sandbagging, but who knows what the truth is, right? Malik Willis thought he was going in the top 20. If you read that article in the athletic, oh, today, right? and he went in the third round. So I know. 
But whoever, hey, if you're listening to this and you're being drafted, don't go up on stage and say, "Oh, that was going in the fourth. Like, don't say that if you're drafted. All of our picks said that. Yeah, That's so brutal. Um, Who knows? He's not going to be a sexy pick. Hopefully, he works out. Hopefully, he starts for three years. But to put a bow on that, it's exactly what you said. It's I don't hate Math as the player. In fact, I think the, no, the acquisition the of Math, it's the place we got him. That it's is always stupid. going to be the problem. Like how early on you took him, the value at which you selected him. Um, you know, we could go in a lot further on him, but I think we'll kind of segue now to, to, to Jahan Dotson. But it's very much the same way. Like it was kind of a... I don't know. Ignorant is the best way to phrase it, but like it was a really stupid comment where Martin Mayhew was like, Oh, we got a bunch of offers to trade down again when we were at 16 and we just declined those because we like Dotson that much. And I'm like, if you got an offer to drop down to 19 or 20 or 21 and you turn that down again, because you love Dotson that much, it's like you, congratulations. You played yourself to quote the great yeah. DJ Khaled. The, uh, the Steelers trying to come up to get picket. That's a, that pick actually surprised me. I was convinced they would take this. So did um, I. So was that. Uh, but that that could have been Tom was just blowing smoke. Um, you want to talk about an organization that knows what they're doing, like covering all their tracks, except for the fact that they drafted Kenny Pickett. But like they took two good receivers. In the draft you never know with Pickett. Like he's so familiar with that stadium. Like no. he could just be right at home. No, no, never, no. Kenny Pickett is is at best. I mean, I'm glad I'm, I'm glad we didn't draft him. But at I'm best, kidding. he's Kirk Cousins. At best. Hey, Kirk wins a lot of games. You about to go nine and eight every year what they do now anyway and he's uh, the every team every fan well i don't know about us but every fan base can't wait to get rid of them ask my minnesota fans um, i mean we the fact that i wanted to keep cousins just this is a stain on my on my football knowledge uh, i i think a lot of uh, us did just because of the stability whatever yeah, the literally stability brought. literally it's all it came down to was he could win a game he could also lose you five or six but like he kept us in a lot of games uh regardless so dotson uh, the the so we we were eleven and then Hamilton was there. The wide receiver I really wanted to was Williams. Uh, he was there, so there were players there that I was like, oh sweet! Like when when I started seeing, it was kind of a terribly kept secret that Hamilton was going to drop. Like everyone kind of knew who's coming out of the top ten, all because it's forty time, which is so stupid. Uh, but he kept dropping. And when he was there, I was like, dude, you got to go get him because whether he's a blue chip player or not, I don't know. But, like, I think he would have made our defense just instantly better. Yes. Uh, and played right away. And it reminded me a little bit of when uh, we took Payne and you were jumping on the couch to take Derwin James. Derwin James. Uh, I had I had that kind of, like, if we're going to pass him, he's going to turn into Der- Derwin James feeling. Uh, Especially but, when it gets taken by Baltimore. Yeah, that killed me. Uh, when Before Baltimore picked, I was texting my buddies and my – and my buddy Smalley was like, Baltimore's going to take him. And everyone was just like, yeah, we know. Because they know what they're fucking doing. Yes. Uh, uh, but anyway, so we traded back. We didn't have a third-round pick. We needed, we needed that pick back, right? Uh, so I don't, I don't mind the trade down. I think it was one of our better moves in the draft just to get more. 150% uh, of the trade down was the right decision, even with yeah. Jameson Williams being there, even with a lot of I did want William, uh, Williams badly. Uh, Alave, I think, and Dotson, though, are, are similar players. And if Alave was someone we were interested in and we we're trading back to, like, basically get the same player five picks later, like, great. And Dotson, Dotson has very similar stats in college to uh, – important stats in my mind to Terry. Uh, he doesn't drop balls. Some of his catches are sweet. 
Uh, he's quick. We don't really have a slot guy because, like, you got Terry, but Curtis isn't really a slot guy. They're going to move Curtis all around. That's assuming this cat can stay healthy. Um, so if he's healthy, we have Dotson who can just flat out go get the ball. He's a playmaker. He'll, he'll go get the ball. Seems like a good kid. Uh, and then, you know, all of a sudden you had McKissick, you had Thomas, you had Bates, you had uh, – who's our fourth receiver? You got Sims in there. Like, there's there's things to do. Gibson, there are – our offense all of a sudden looks pretty good. So, I didn't, I didn't think our first-round pick was like, oh, my God, this is the best thing since sliced bread. But to your point, there was probably five players where you're like, my God, this guy's great. After that, it was a crapshoot. And I think we took a player that ultimately will produce. And with our first round wide receiver history, going all the way back to Desmond Howard is bad. So any production from him is actually kind of a win. <laughs> so Dotson initially, my reaction was, was I gotta, I gotta say that like a hundred times. Dotson, was, not Dotson. Dotson's my initial reaction was not good, but the more I kind of let it settle, there was the, the first thing. So the trade back 150%, I would make that 10 times out of 10 again, regardless of like who was available, all of those. We needed more picks. And that was a value for a team that is quietly kind of thin in, in a lot of places. So yes, even if they did come up to get Olave and then the Lions came up to get Jameson. He's Williams also a punt returner. Uh, and, and, and then absolutely. And then Kyle Hamilton got taken the pick after. Like it was a very bad run that happened right after Washington made that trade, which I don't think they kind of foresee, were able to foresee. Um, but- He's a high floor guy, I think, more than anything else. And uh, you yeah, touched. Safe. He was the safest wide receiver. And uh, so, a couple of things. You touched on this a little bit, but like even Penn State, a lot of Penn State fans will tell you that their quarterback play was just atrocious last year. And a bunch of people commented, they're like, if you gave him st- stable quarterback play, the numbers he would have put up would have vaulted him probably ahead hey, of an Olave or something him, like that. Teach him young because he's coming to Washington. And it's, that's, what it, that's what it's all about in DC shitty quarterback play. Um, true, but if he's going to help unlock Wentz a little more, just like Curtis Samuel is just like Terry McLaurin is, um, McLaurin is more of a do it all guy versus like, you know, Dotson can do it all. And we'll talk more about that in in, a very, in just a moment, but, um, but because of his speed, he is going to, you know, he's going to be able to help challenge deep, which is obviously a catered went so well, well to Wentz's game. Uh, you talked about the drops. Um, the best hands in the draft, according to every single article I read about him. 95th percentile, I think, was actually slightly higher in college football last year in terms of le- least drops. 95th percentile. And his net drop rate was 2% of catchable passes. And to touch on the quarterback play, I read some stat or saw somewhere. I can't remember what it was. It was estimated that 30% of his targets, 30% of his targets were uncatchable footballs. Yeah, that is like playing with Heineke right there. <laughs> so the fact that this dude put up the production he did when literally, you know, one and a half out of every five passes in his direction were just garbage. I mean, I think that's 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 commendable. Um, a couple of things, and you, you touched on this as well. Uh, one of the things I think they love about him, which makes him different than someone like Josh Dotson or uh, some of the other receivers, particularly Deami Brown, I want to say about that as well, is that Penn State used him in every position along the receiving, like, as a receiver. He was an X, Y, and Z, or X, Z, and Y. He, they had him run the full route tree. He was very good at the full route tree. 
And uh, he's just, he has a very natural savvy to him. And I think people don't realize as much as raw explosiveness is one of the most important traits for a wide receiver, the ability to run routes and your footwork and the ability to maneuver your body and, and change the way you disguise your routes downfield and the way you leverage yourself against cornerbacks is arguably the biggest determinant of your success in the NFL, as opposed to just how, ta- like how physically talented you are. And Dotson has such a great awareness or such a great polish there already that it's exciting. I think he's going to be able to contribute right out of the gate, at least in some capacity. And before I get finished my thought on that one, I know Washington fans are going to look at Justin Jefferson and see 12 touchdowns as a rookie. They're going to see Jamar chase and see the record setting rookie season. And they're going to expect you Jahan Dotson to go out and, you know, put up 1500 yards and 15 touchdowns. And every time he doesn't have a 200 yard receiving game, Danny Rui is going to snark tweet some snarky comment about who was available and who we shouldn't have taken. I'm going to say this, the three comps that I saw the most for the type of player Dotson is um, yeah, the type of player Dotson is or how we should position him were Calvin Ridley, Tyler Lockett, and to a certain extent, Doug Baldwin. Those are the three. I, that saw, I, saw. I saw Lockett a few times. I saw yeah. Lockett and I've seen Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, I just, I saw Emmanuel say, I think that was Lance Airline as well. Where did I put my notes? Cause that was, I wanted to rant about this. Um, so, uh, all right. So, Again, remember, just keep this in mind. Calvin Ridley, when he's not gambling on DraftKings, he's a top 20 receiver in the NFL, right? Ridley didn't have 65 receptions or 900 receiving yards in his first two seasons in the NFL. He had less than that. Tyler Lockett had less than 700 yards receiving in his first three years in the NFL. He didn't have a 1,000-yard receiving a season until year five. Dotson's not going to come out and beat Justin Jefferson tomorrow. He's not. That's not his game. That's not how he also, plays. There's also one Justin Jefferson. Well, no, because like, oh, look at Jamar Chase. And I'm like, okay, well, they same school, basically, you know, played the same offense, whatever, right? But that's just the stupidity of fans. They're going to be like, well, how come he had 1,200 yards and how come our guy does because he sucks, right? And I, I just want to set expectations for him. Anyway, I'm done ranting now. <laughs> uh, there is um, – he kind of reminds me of Jameson Crowder. Um, I at least that's that. what I, that's, I at least that's, that. kind, that's kind of what I want him to be. Let's put it that way. When – Crowder was a rookie. He had like 60 catches, maybe 600 yards. Like that's kind of what I am expecting slash hoping, frankly. I like, like Crowder. Um, I loved Crowder. I was so devastated when he left. Yep. Uh, he can't stay healthy, though. Uh, but neither here nor there. Uh, but like that's kind of what I'm hoping we get out of Dotson kind of right away. I do think people need to realize that he's coming in. He's not going to be wide receiver one. Terry's wide receiver one, right? Terry hopefully – in about a month and a half, we'll get his ass paid uh, to play for us for a little, at least four more years. Another conversation for another day, but are you sure he gets paid? I think, yes. I think Ron loves him. Okay. And I hope he does, because I love him. Don't, please don't leave me, Terry. Uh, what did Brown get? Four for 100? Four for 157 guaranteed. The wide receiver uh, market is bonkers right now. It's, it's I as do bad take, as the quarterback uh, market. I think Ron views Terry as the most important player on the team uh, and we'll pay him accordingly. I think uh, he and, and Jonathan Allen are probably the two cornerstones of the team right now. I will agree with that. Yeah. Um, but to my point is like, you, Terry's going to get his targets. He's going to get, I mean, if, if, if our offense is humming the way it should, he's getting 120, 140, 150 targets next year. Uh, at least he should. Um, 
Then you add to the fact that you're going to have a healthy Curtis Samuel that Turner's going to want to get the ball to. And then the overarching theme with Turner is what? Dude loves running backs. So you got to add in like at least 50 to 60 touches for McKissick and Gibson. And that's passing wise. That's not just, that's not just running. Respectfully disagree there. I think Carson Wentz is Carson. So. Right. So Wentz may change that. Right. Yes. I understand. And Wentz hates throwing the ball running back. That's hates actually a, hates. That's actually a documented thing. I do think it'll be more just because of the way Turner's offense is. And I think Wentz knows this is his last chance. So he's going to do everything he can to stay within the realm of the offense. Now, granted, it is May. I have my burgundy glasses on. Week two, once he throws four picks, I'll be ranting about how much I hate him and let's go to Sam Howell. Uh, that is, you know, that is Redskins. <laughs> that is Redskins more. Uh, but if Dawson gives us 50 catches next year for 600 yards, I think that's a huge win. Uh, and having a slot guy who can kind of – they put a linebacker on him, they'll toast him. If they put a corner on him, that means they're – that means the box is light and we can just give the ball to Gibson. Like, he, he gives us the ability to dictate what we're going to do, uh, which is something we haven't been able to do in a while, and that's exciting. At least to me. If Logan Thomas was healthy and like fully healthy, God, he would eat with Carson Wentz at quarterback. He would absolutely he will. Eat. hopefully, hopefully, hopefully he will be, but he's um, older and bad knees. I Gosh, so I good. could make a compelling argument last year that even more than Terry McLaurin, that JD McKissick was the most important player on the offense last like last year. I, I think I think a lot of people would I wouldn't say most important, but when, when McKissick went out, our offense tanked. I would say more important. Again, that's taking nothing away from Terry, who I think is a top 15, if not higher receiver in the NFL, like bar none. Um, I would argue that McKissick, particularly because of Heineke's lack of arm strength, was the most important player on the offense last season. And our when did offense, he get hurt? Did he get hurt against the Seahawks? Uh, late sometime in that general time frame. I can't remember exactly when it was. Um, I thought that bringing him back juxtaposed with acquiring Carson Wentz was kind of a stupid sequence because again, I know it, every offense is different. And I agree with your point that Car- Scott Turner is going to scheme ways to get JD McKissick the ball, but look at Naheem st- Hines, stats in Indianapolis when Phillip Rivers was throwing the ball and look at Naheem st- Hines, stats when, when, when uh, Carson Wentz was throwing the ball, Naeem Hines might as well have been on a milk carton missing. Cause like that dude did nothing. And that's no, that's not a knock on the player. He just never got any targets. Like Wentz doesn't throw the ball to a running back and you've got Gibson. Who's a capable pass catcher. You've got McKissick. Who's a capable pass catcher. You've got Brian Robinson. Who's a capable pass catcher and Patterson, whatever. But like, I don't think any of them are going to get targets. I think, I think this is Wentz's last chance. I think he knows that. And we're talking about a Turner. We're talking about Norv's kid. The running backs are going to be a primary focus, whether Wentz likes it or not. And if he doesn't figure that out, then that's that's on him, you know. And we'll be bitching about quarterback play. But I really, truly believe that. And it, maybe it's not like remember when Larry Sanders had like ninety catches. Yep. Uh, McKissick had I think like sixty or seventy. Sixty, sixty-five or into in, in, yeah when Alex yeah. was the quarterback. Like, it's not those numbers aren't going to happen. It's going to be in the thirties. Yeah, I was going to uh, say half that. Yeah, but I do think there will be a concerted effort to do it because when McKissick gets that ball four or five yards out, he's got a linebacker on there. He's going to get four more yards. The linebacker's not going to get him. He's an elite pass-catching running back, and he's an, a weapon that we have to utilize and pray he doesn't get hurt again. And also, ha, joke's on you, Buffalo. Yeah, right. Man, they were salty about that one. Um, yeah. They were so salty. They were uh, salty right, at, right after and I and his agent 
came out and was like, they told us we were safe. It's like, dude, things change, bro. Yeah. NFL. Also, please come back. I King Ionitis leaving that that hurt. That hurts so bad. So bad. Um we'll spend more time talking about Dodson. Uh I'll I'll put a but I'll put a bow on this. Um so I was thinking it was the Kevin Sheehan podcast. Somebody was tweeting about this or live tweeting and they were talking about Dotson and they were saying what Chris Cooley or they were restating what Chris Cooley said. And basically Cooley said that he reminds him a lot of Deshaun Jackson. Now Deshaun Jackson, world-class speed and just like this incredible deep ball ability. One of the best deep ball receivers of the last X number of years. Right. Um, but a very similar skill set, And I think, I really miss those days when Kirk was throwing the ball to Deshaun Jackson. That was a lot of fun to watch when Jackson yeah, and, and, and Garcon, Jackson, Pierre and Crowder. That was oh, sweet such a, and, so Reed, much fun. And Reed. I mean, and if you bring back a little bit there and, and God, I hope from your mouth, to God's ears that, you know, that, um, what's his name? Uh, Curtis Samuel's paper groin doesn't, you know, fall apart again. Like that would be really, really nice. Um, yeah, that's a nice hat. I hate the name and everything about it, but that's a pretty sweet hat. The Senators? Is that a Senators hat? No, I'm just yes, that is a Senators hat, and that's not a Mando's hat. That is a Senators hat. That's no, why it's I don't a sweet own, hat. I don't. I don't own any Mando's gear. I'm not going to own any as long as Carson. Uh, Carson as long as Dan Snyder is the owner of the team, I don't think it's going to. Which what if, is, what if it comes from China? Doesn't it all come from China? <laughs> Touche. <laughs> okay. Dan's not going. Dan's not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. He is, I hate bringing this name up because I don't like foring into politics too much, but he is basically when Donald Trump made that comment that I could stand on Fifth Avenue, shoot somebody, and I'm going to be fine. Like, that's what Dan Snyder is to the ownership of this team. He's a cockroach. Can't kill him. Yeah. Yeah. He will survive even in the nuclear apocalypse. Yeah. Can't kill him. Fucking Dan. Fucking Dan. All right. We have lots to talk about. I want to talk a lot about stuff, the offseason stuff, um, moves. We've alluded to a few of them, but kind of dive in further. We'll save that. I had some thoughts on team needs, but again, we'll put a pin on those and kind of save that for the next episode. So for everyone who's made it this far, thank you for listening. Uh, it's good to do this again. Looking forward to hopefully our kids cooperating and our schedules aligning a little better so we can um, do this a little more frequently than once than just over Sweet. quarterly. Uh, yeah, mine's, I was just checking the monitor on mine. Uh, meanwhile, my wife is trying to cram because we're going to go watch Doctor Strange 2 tomorrow and she's trying to like do the 30 minute synopsis to catch herself up on everything. So she's been texting me in the background, hence the dinging. Uh, that notwithstanding, uh, thank you for everyone listening and uh, we will talk to you later. Thank you for listening to the Hail to the District podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts.